The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the respective individual. They do not constitute advice, are general in nature, and do not intend to offend anyone. We are not mental health professionals, nor qualified to give formal advice. Please take this into consideration while listening. Welcome to Big Daddy, Little Daddy. The podcast for all things Sam. We are Sam and Sam, chatting about life in general, particularly through a trans mask lens. On this podcast, we discuss a range of topics from card carrying to the nuances of navigating inaccessible spaces as trans people and also the shit that they don't tell you. I find it hilarious that we're going into a venture now where the sole purpose of it is to not speak over the top of each other. So how do you think we're going to manage that? We're going to be fucked. Like in the past 15 years, for those of us just jumping on, this is our very first episode. We've been best mates for like 15 years and... The one kicker in the face the whole time has been our literal inability to not talk over each other. And by that, I mean me. Pretty much. <laughs> well, welcome for jumping onto the podcast. As I said, my name's Sam. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm Big Daddy in this little situation. I'm also Sam, pronouns they, them, and Little Daddy in this situation. <laughs> If you're watching the video with all of this, you will literally see the, the physical representation difference between the two of us, and it makes a lot of sense. But I guess for those listening on our podcast and in audio land, I'm about 5'9", 90 kilos, bit of a brick shit house, and... 5'9", 57 kilos, not a brick shit house. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, with all first podcasts, like, we're still working it out ourselves. We're just here talking shit, going through a few bits and pieces and where you kind of start, it's a little bit about who we are, where we've kind of come from and where we kind of want to go with this podcast. We've been having chats for a little while now around like passion projects and collaboration and things we can kind of do together. So, you know, why don't we do what we kind of talk, do best, sit around and just, just talk shit really. Um, and a good place to kind of start is introducing ourselves and, um, I might kick it over to, to Little Daddy first to chat a little bit about, I guess, we've mentioned pronouns and bits and pieces, but like, who are you? Like, what are you about? What's your, what do you do with yourself right now? How, how would I describe you? <laughs> <laughs> the million dollar question. How would you describe me? Uh, the exact opposite of you. Pretty much. Chalk and cheese, short and tall, big and little, either which way. If you go up, I go down. Um, and that's, that's probably been the hallmark of our relationship. We are so separate that we're together. <laughs> <laughs> the only things we have in common are the things that you forced me into doing as well, like fitness, <laughs> like this podcast. <laughs> well, forcing, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a harsh word. Is it though? <laughs> I think the important thing with this to remember is no one is here under any sort of duress or any sort of um, forceful nature. No one holds anything over anyone else. <laughs> do not send the police. Do not call triple zero. Everything is fine. No one can see me blinking SOS right now. There is a camera right here. I think that's fine. <laughs> Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> well, look, so I, can, I can start talking a little bit about me. So... Um, I am a binary trans man. I have been on HRT, well, back in my day, it was just T, this tells you how long it's been, uh, for, how long have I been on T now? 13 years? I think so, yeah. Yeah, about that, because it wasn't that much longer after you and I, like, hit it off in the friendship sense that I started. 2009, did we meet? No, we met, we met when I was 17, we met in 07. 
laced. Because I was oh. on the ranch. No, was I wasn't it? for anyone in health authorities listening. Oh yeah, I moved to Sydney in 2006 and it was the following year. Yeah. yeah so yeah, 2007. Yeah. yeah, and so you've been on HRT for about 13 years now. Um, originally from uh, Sydney, New South Wales. Uh, we both live down here in Melbourne. Um, and I am the owner, operator, head coach of T Generation Gyms, uh, which is Australia's first and pretty much only trans owned operated fitness facility. Um, uh, two cats, that's all I really care about, and frankly, that's all I really talk about outside of fitness, unless it's pretty much otherwise up to you. <laughs> um, so, also, Sam. Born and raised in Port Macquarie, made the move to the Big Smoke Sydney when I finished. I think it was about four days after I graduated Year Twelve because I was like, "Get me out of here!" <laughs> um, only gay in the village, hated it. Moved to Sydney, um, met Big Daddy a year after moving there. I think. Mm -hmm. well, where were we? Out on Oxford Street or something? Yeah, no, it was Newtown, wasn't was it? it? it was... Well, see, that's the thing. You remember it being Newtown? I was probably very inebriated at the time because I don't. Remember whatsoever i remember like stonewall karaoke being underage <laughs> well look tomato tomato whatever um i think we actually met outside the sly fox which i mean the name of the uh pub probably is an accurate descriptor of oh, what if, it's like if you haven't been there 100 <laughs> um you know pit you know used to be able to stick to the, the floors it had the worst horrible carpet in the universe and you know, smelled hashtag like pre-lesbian life. Smelled like tail stale stiggies. The the toilet doors were ripped off. Um, good luck. You had to kind of half hold them up just to use the bathrooms. Didn't they just stop putting them back on because all of the angry lesbians wouldn't know how to leave them on their hinges? So Probably. they gave up. Probably, and I think it's very important though to mention that um, you and I have spent many a years of our time as car carrying lesbians, so we can say that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Is that kind of like a, I have a lesbian friend type conversation? Yes, um, the, the, the ex-lesbians. Um, there's a card somewhere in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, speaking of which, I have been on tea for just over two and a half years now. It's gone that quickly. Yeah. And how do you identify? Um, I identify as trans, masculine, and non-binary, so they, them pronouns. I think it was inevitable from your perspective, you were waiting for the day for me to come and let you know that I was probably going to start tea at some point, but um, I think our journeys have been extremely different because I've never um, identified as, as male, um, and I think that caused a lot of struggle for me trying to figure out I think it was almost a, a decade after you then that I sort of figured out my gender identity but it was a lack of language understanding that there's more than just the binary that the gender is a spectrum um, and it took took a few years for me to get there and once I learnt the concept of non-binary it's like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders um, which was pretty cool. Well, yeah, and I guess it's the, the concept of like non-binary and gender fluidity and all that like has been around for well long before you and I, but it's the the, the language. Accessibility to language. Accessibility yeah. has changed. We, we put words to these things because you were navigating your own gender identity and journey before you and I met. You were researching 
uh, HRT and all of that kind of stuff before I'd even you know stepped into the world of of, of trans spaces etc. You know, thanks Max from the L word, which was my first little <laughs> visual representation of what trans was. Neck minute, there's a needle in my ass. Well, that's funny because it's like seeing. Max on the L word all those years ago is probably like an awakening almost for you, but it was an active rejection for me because it was everything that um, I stood against when it came to that concept of transness. And I was like when I was a teenager, I was researching, um, you know, transgender people, the concept of transitioning, because I think deep down um, I knew that I wasn't cis, but I didn't know what that looked or felt like. So obviously I turned to the alternative idea, which was binary transness at the time um, and knew that wasn't for me. So it was another like seven plus years of rejecting my transness because I thought that was only binary or nothing at all. You know? Yeah, and that's it, which also I guess as a, with a little bit of skin in the game and a few years being around now, it is... It is fascinating to me to watch the evolution of identity as time goes on, as while you and I are a very relatively solid in our own versions of our identity now, so to speak, and mm. as humans move and do and grow, like it will evolve, it will change, um, as, as we kind of change, whereas I identify very strongly with a binary concept where you are, the set while you lean to like more masculine sides are presenting very much in that nine binary space and it kind of you and I here prove the whole point that you can't have non-binary without the binary and there's beauty in the existence across all of these spots yeah definitely it's um it is it's 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 a real conundrum when I sort of sit back and think about the complexity um of my gender identity because at this point being pegged as either binary gender is like trying to pick the lesser of two evils and not being able to land on either. It's really wild, whilst also obviously presenting as quite uh, masculine. I don't identify as male and it always makes my, um, my stomach sink or my heart sink when I am pegged as male, when I'm out in public. The same way I used to feel when people would peg me as female, you know, pre any sort of, um, you know, even uh, like, I guess, um, sort of communication of pronouns to like my friends and family and starting tea, you know, it's like there's, they both cause equal amounts of pain for me, which is, is really um, confusing to a lot of people, I think, because I am so mass presenting. Well, that, that's it, and that, that, that also again links back to um, choice, presentation, um, public perception. Like, just because you know, stop assuming that. Well, I keep thinking, stop assuming that the mask one is the top. This is what I get for spending all this time on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, same thing for process. Just because somebody looks a certain way, just because someone presents a certain way, that doesn't mean that they're going to fit into a particular box yeah. as time kind of moves. and But on that same note, though, any sort of thinking in an, in, an, in an extremist mentality or leaning too far side to one, I personally can find quite dangerous mm. because as the gender conversation continues, 
as we are much more being represented in mainstream media and in the political space at the moment, you know, thank, thank you Mark Latham's anti-trans bill, um, there is a, a shift in an understanding, especially as now that I've hit the 10 year plus mark, I'm technically an elder. I'm only 31, like, oh, I'm not dead. Um, it's important that we, with the emergence of language, of new spaces that people are at, not new or putting emergence of language of this, that we don't invalidate those that have come before and where we've been. Well, absolutely. You and I have had this conversation a fair bit. Absolutely. And I think um, that's, that's exactly it. And even out on the concept of like um, being considered an elder or who we um, honour as elders in the community per se, it's really not the age bracket. It's the contributions and the lived experience. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just coming back to understanding that while we are getting better with our language and discourse and having spaces and understanding and, and language to describe where we're kind of at, just because like everyone's identity is, is valid. Your choices are valid just because you choose to affirm or identify it a certain way. That does not mean another choice of another person just existing is an affront to everything that you are and where you want to be. Yeah, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you mean that in the context of language as well. Because we have, like in the community, I think the the queer community is one of those um, facets of society that is constantly evolving from generation to generation. And with that comes like, I guess because there's, you know, unfortunately, for lack of a better term, there is a lot of oppression in in this subset of our community Mm. and language can and will be used against us. Absolutely. So there's often that um, concept of reclamation of language as well. Mm. And I think um, as we move forward, there's often times where we forget that those, like that, you know, some terminology would have been considered a slur now mm-hmm. or previously mm. and but people still cling to those words or that terminology um as a way of like personal validation mm. or or even identification yep. and we have to remember to honor that like because it just because you you know reject that term doesn't mean that it's sacred to someone else absolutely and you know i I will use we'll use you and i as example just because you're a non-binary trans mask human does not invalidate the fact that i you know suit to i subscribe to a presentation and an identity policy of a of a man a binary man regardless of whatever the hell's in my pants that is how and not that that means a goddamn thing I subscribe to, I, I like to look a certain way, I present a certain way, I feel a certain way, and that's, that's my prerogative. That, that's for me, and that, that doesn't take away from you. And absolutely, we have to respect each other where that kind of is. And while, and this is more, I guess, as an extension to outside of, of trans, and I'm going to say trans, not to the queer community in general, because there are members within the queer community that don't respect the trans space in general. It is just because you, we, as humans, we need to, we label for our own understanding. You are an X, Y, and Z. Okay, yes, you are. So that makes sense to me, to me, to understand you. My first question is, why do you need to understand? Just respect that's one. And also, 
just be, if you have a question, fantastic. Doesn't mean you have the right to an answer, nor should you have the right to even ask that question with a few of those things, really. Yeah, that's always a, an interesting um, topic, especially when you speak to, um, you know, cis people or even straight people and they're genuinely interested but it also may be um, a certain level of ignorance that comes with that as well Mm. and asking questions is never malicious but I always stand by the sort of like overarching statement that um, if you can google it don't ask me if you want to know my experience then you can ask those questions so there's a huge difference between like if you're asking me questions about being trans Mm. are you asking general questions or are you asking about my trans experience and i think they're two very different things and often people get caught up and mixed up in which of the two they're they're trying to um engage me with yep but i'm always like it's I'm, i'm an open book and i'm always happy to um enlighten and educate people um, that may not have had exposure to a trans person before. Mm. If they talk, if they're genuinely and um, respectfully asking about my experience, I'll always, always um, respond. Well, but, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it comes down to again down to to respect and a few bits and wha- a few things. It's absolutely if you can Google it, Google it first, and then ask me to an extent. But also, it's having that understanding of the emotional labour involved in constantly being a physical Google search engine. And these are these are parallels with you know communities of color as well. While it is, it's absolutely different kind of spaces. It's that same concept around why am I doing the work for you? Get off your ass and do it yourself. Um, and absolutely, there is different layers of complexity of this with different people in our lives. For example, like certain family members that I'm not going to mention. I'm like absolutely ask me first because I love where your thought process is. I love what you're doing, but my God, do not ask that question out in the public arena. Don't, you ask me and then I'll navigate that. But even down to certain friends and, you know, we have to be mindful of this for anything that isn't in trans spaces, that emotional labor and other places. Google first. Um, I find for me, the biggest affront to this isn't, isn't so much from people within my close circle physically now because of how long it's kind of been. It's the second you step online. Yeah. That um, that sense of entitlement that comes with the protection via a screen. So whether it's dating apps, whether it's Facebook, Instagrams, like you don't want to see my DMs half the time. Yeah. And I've gotten real good with my block function now. <laughs> I just roll my eyes these days. But there was a period of time where it was like, no, I'm going to be the big trans advocate and start messaging these people back and be like, nah, mate, do it. But it gets it gets tiring. Oh, absolutely. You have to preserve your energy levels. And sometimes it's just not worth it because it's not going to positively influence their perspective in any way, shape or form half the time. No, it, it won't. And it's, I guess, for the the learnings from this that I hope that anyone listening can kind of partake is remembering that it is just a screen and you can sit there and hit block and understanding that whatever is being projected towards you is to not take that personally because nine times out of ten it isn't about you there's probably some internalized something something happening there and it's like we all know most cis men in life would do really really well with a finger in certain places like the world would be much better place but 
hey, you'll get there in your own time. On a um a, a related and light-hearted note, I had a person um that I slept with who admitted she googled um how to have sex with someone on testosterone beforehand wow. because she never had <laughs> slept with someone on tea before and wanted to try and make sure she had all the information <laughs> and I just thought that was so endearing because it was like a clear cut example of what you should probably be doing before <laughs> asking I'll ask you In off general. camera who that is. <laughs> I probably know who it is. But um and no, like that's it that 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 is kind of endearing. Is it like lol bless, sweetie? Oh god. But um <laughs> I love that so much. Oh no that that Google what you can. Absolutely. Ask, <laughs> ask questions later. Well that's it. And you know, we could and that I guess that kind of links into experience in in, in that space, you know, when we talk through navigating dating and scratch that navigating at two o'clock in the morning you'll do and everything that kind of like links into that speak for yourself yeah look okay there was a time in my life i'm not where that anymore i am reformed (laughs) um it's yeah it is um it's it's a world that you shouldn't have to be putting up these barriers and prepare yourself for and all of that kind of stuff but it speaks to the reality of where we're at now and that it, it, it's shit you know going into a going into an app and having a conversation and you know do I disclose first do I disclose when I meet them do I put it in my profile what kind of happens there it what's your thoughts on the dis- disclosure concept I guess for me at the moment and where I kind of at I have it all on my profiles now because yeah. I'm not in the mood to educate I am not in the mood to waste time in in that sense of I guess I want to know upfront if this is going to be an issue or not. But what that does, though, is by putting things on your profile, it opens you up straight away to being fetishized and being chased around the concept of chases by having that there, which is you can practically smell out chases or people, uh, you know, when again, chasing you for the wrong reasons quite quickly um, in time. There is a a repeated set of language that is used there is like a line of questioning that you're like i know where this is going and you know i've also got my own three or four questions that i ask straight off the bat that allows me to pick all of this out quite quickly and i guess if we're gonna getting into i guess the relationship um archetypes that i lean towards most of my relationships have always been open um while my you know, I don't subscribe to one particular form of sexuality. It'd be like very much a strict hedonist. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we vibe, we click. Yeah, cool. Tick. It's all about communication and negotiating what that relationship is for you and I. And no, for everybody listening, sorry, there is not an OnlyFans account for Big Daddy and Little Daddy. If it was ever going to happen, it would have by now. We're just not in that space. <laughs> um. So, yeah, like. It's and it will it changes also based for me based on the platform that I'm using as well, yeah. and it, yeah it 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 depends on what I'm searching for and what sort of interaction or attachment I'm trying to build. Um, have I been I've been I've lived elements of my life quite stealth. I have dated um, 
you've been around my dating history, which will probably mm-hmm. be a whole nother series um, <laughs> in itself because, wow. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no laughing. I've been around for yours too. Um, but as I said, with your like at life negotiation, where do you kind of sit? Now? It's funny because, I, I mean, I do the same thing. I've got it all in my bio from the get-go, but probably for different reasons to you. Um, I mean, there obviously is, I, well, for starters, the main reason I do it is because um, I do not want to um, have anyone assume that I'm binary. Mm. Um, and I think it also, it sort of, it weeds out um, a certain set of um, people that may or may not be attracted to me that uh, I'm not going to be attracted to them based on. Mm you know, um, their sexuality, I guess. Mm. Um, and I guess like for full context, I only generally date cis women mm. um, and have done to date. Mm. That's just who I, the, you know, I identify as queer and obviously that is an all-encompassing um, umbrella, which I really, really identify with. Yep. That, that concept resonates with me quite a lot. However, I just find myself generally dating um, femme cis women yep. for the most part yeah. and with that comes its own set of challenges because um, with cis women they can have their own um, very very fluid sexuality oh, God, yeah. and um, I guess there's just that um, fear of being misgendered or like assume, assuming that I'm cis mm. Mm. Um, or potentially um, the gender I was assigned at birth being the opposite to what it is, mm. you know, and, and I want to eradicate that because then it means that, like, I know that the person who I'm engaging with from the get-go knows exactly where I stand, how I identify. And that's it. And there's no mincing of words. And then on the flip side, like, I don't have to realistically worry about being fetishized the way that you have yes. um, historically because just going to put it out there, most fetishization occurs um, when engaging with men. Yeah, absolutely. As, as a general rule of thumb, yeah. I am yet to experience in my, you know, five plus years mm. of identifying as non-binary to, to experience any sort of level of fetishization from women. Yeah. And maybe I'm lucky. I don't want to, you know, obviously yes, overgeneralize <laughs> and, yeah. and I can appreciate that. But I think as a, as a, as a general rule of thumb, that's probably absolutely and 100 based on, on on my experience i will definitely agree i personally have been fetishized by by as i said by cisgendered women yeah. in, in the past and i'm also aware of it but if we're talking ratioed comparisons yep. it is one to the 99 percent yep. and generally i find it happens um based on my own experience, mostly with cis gay men, not necessarily AMAB humans in general, mm-hmm. but yeah. cis gay men, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and which I realized I didn't quite mention before, also for context, I also identify with the 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 concept of that, that queer label, so to speak, but mm. my attraction is purely due, uh, connected to femininity. Um, and that's probably been a consistent theme throughout my entire life as a very um, masculine presenting person and aligning with that um, that structure, so to speak, my attraction is femininity regardless of the form. And I've spent 
similar to you, I've spent most of my life dating cisgendered women um, and a big element of that was, you know, when I identified the lesbian as, as a lesbian for a period of time, but also into my trans life. Yeah. Um, but I've had attachments and engagements and, you know, my part, my partner right now is an AMAB human, but more feminine than the entire of Coburg and Brunswick and all of the northern, northern suburbs put together. You're smiling <laughs> because you know that that's true. <laughs> um, very interesting to hear if they have listened you know, if they ever listen to this, and I'll probably get a smack over the back of the head, but everything's fine. Can't wait for the debrief with them. Oh, God, don't <laughs> even. We're not going to bring partners into this yet. We'll maybe, <laughs> maybe another episode. We'll see how we go. We'll obviously have to get um, consent first if we kind of put into it. <laughs> um, and I guess with, like, while gender identity is part and parcel of some of the things that we're going to kind of talk about, and that is you know, to kind of pull it back and rein it back for a second. A lot of the things we're going to discuss here on this podcast are going to have that lens and that framework because that's our life experience. That is our lived experience. That is where we've come from. And it is going to have an impact on all areas of our lives because it is a, an integral part of, of who we are in Definitely. that sense. Yeah, I always, um, I've, I've, I've never considered... Um, like my my sexuality or my gender historically to be the most important part of me. It's like one critical aspect of who I am as a person. 100%. Um, but it is, it's always interesting to have these kinds of conversations and break down just how much um, these concepts influence and infiltrate every other facet of our lives mm. because it's, I guess... Unfortunately, it's because it's still not, there's still so many stigmas associated with sexuality and gender identity that would, identities that are essentially not cis, Mm. um, that we have to then spend more time and energy, um, I don't know, shining a light on those aspects of who we are. Mm. And I struggle with it. Um, being misrepresented as being like the first thing presented well, when I meet someone, yeah. um, which is unfortunate because there's so much more to me than like, my my pronouns, my gender identity, my sexuality. Oh God, yeah. But it's almost as if we're forced to make them priorities when presenting ourselves in public, which sucks. It is. And I think one of my favorite things, and I use the word favorite in quotation marks, <laughs> Mark, marks is when we're referred to as, in, in, um, as a noun. I'm not a person, a place, or a thing, a <laughs> transgender. I'm not a damn car. Yeah. But absolutely, especially still to this day, I find, and this links into, for those that know what I visually look like, I am fully aware of my white straight passing privilege. I can walk down the street, have for many, many years, and you would not know the difference. That assumption, though, is also meant that even within the queer community, and you know this, you are constantly having to re-out yourself to the straight cishet world. And for myself, I have to constantly out myself to the queer community because, you know, when my vision for my own transition was to achieve a certain aesthetic, and because I have achieved that, though, 
I now unfortunately look like the physical representation of fear within the queer community. A big straight white dude walking into a queer space and one of two things is going to happen. It's a what are you doing here or who's that gay man in the corner of which I identify with neither. And it's almost that, you know, please love me. I'm here. I am part of you, etc. Um, and it almost completely denotes the past 13 years Absolutely. in that space. And I question, in my experience, I don't necessarily think it's getting better as a whole. I feel it's getting worse. Yeah. I always um, empathise with your plight on those concepts, you know, would often come up when we go out. And I remember when you started reconnecting with your queerness almost mm. um, after you sort of no longer identified as stealth. Mm. Um, I watched the the struggle and the pain, like the internal pain um, in you as you tried to figure out a way to present your identity and your queerness in a way where you weren't automatically assumed as a, a cis gay man in a mm. queer space, etc. And I don't think I ever fully appreciated the struggle and like the emotional pain that would have come with that until I started experiencing the same thing, which mm. is really sad, you know, that mm. it's like until the shoe is on the you know, other well, foot. And that's not your fault either. Like that's no. just lived experience. You're never really going to know unless yeah. you're literally in the shoes yeah. of that person. But I, again, like as similarly to you, I have to acknowledge my white passing privilege um, that literally has been thrust upon me purely based on the way that I look now after having changed through my transition of, of you know, two and a half years. And I don't want it. It hmm. is so upsetting to me. It is the thing that... Um, it is, it's the one thing that delayed my decision to go on tea because, like I said earlier, being pegged as a man is just as painful as being pegged as a woman. Mm. And now I have been, um, like, thrust into this weird club almost <laughs> yeah. that I never signed up for. And, mm. and I really struggle with just, you know, men in general – assuming that I'm male and then engaging with me in a way. It's so gross, isn't it? Is, it's, it's, it's wild. And it's, it's like to be, have this door open up that you never knew existed, you know, being AFAB. Mm. All it does is reiterate and validate all of the fears and pain that so many women feel mm. by society at large because of, I don't know. It's just it's it this 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 way that um, the average cis man operates mm. and speaks to other cis men mm. is it's just it's littered with like I don't know like sexism, misogyny, and I don't even know if there's like a consciousness around it. No, but I can't. I still can't. It's a conditioned it. and learned behaviour, and it is. It's it and is it's social not just conditioning, men and either. it's just not straight cis men either. And it's you and I have a unique perspective in the you know being able to see behind the curtain because we have the privilege of being able to move through a variety of different spaces and have also spent many years conditioned in respective areas of our gender identity and life we have seen either sides of the curtains we've kind of i like to to articulate it kind of as a one foot in one foot out and 
which I don't mean this to sound like depressing in a sense, where it's one foot in, one foot out, where do you kind of sit and fit? And for me, I had to learn to be like, to get over that concept or like work through it or have that eat away at me in terms of like nowhere that, you know, you're kind of, you're too much for one or not enough for another and you don't ever kind of sit. And it's the, which we can just, we can talk about this because it's for ages, especially with the aging trans population as time goes on. I have no idea what's going to happen to us in 15, 20 years. And if we think about aged care, if we think about, because after you have successfully completed your transition, quote unquote, so to speak, uh, whoever decided what is success, I need to have words, but which generally, if you're looking at the broader term, is when you've been able to pass and do and, and you know, walk through society as your affirmed gender, so to speak, because it was very binary tax back then. There is no support. It's like, now what? What do you do? Off you go. Forgetting that that there is that missing link there to be able – how do you handle that? Like, how does one – you know, you're exposed to all of these things that nobody warned you about, yeah. that nobody told you. Like, how do you process that? Like, I have no idea. What's funny, though, because you're speaking about this hypothetical um, success, but I'll never reach that because mm. I've the, the pendulum has swung from one extreme to the other mm. and when it should be in the middle for me. So I'm kind of screwed either way. Mm. Um, but what it's made me do is um, overcompensate um, in a way to disrupt the general mentality um, and fear that some women have when mm. engaging with men. So mm. I will literally go out of my way to ensure that in any space um, I'm in mm. with women, mm-hmm. I will not take up space. Mm-hmm. I will be hyper aware of my presence, the way mm. that I engage, um, mm. their, their comfort levels. Yep. Um, because I know what it feels like to have your space taken away from you yep. and your comfort levels eradicated by merely existing in the same space as me. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like and I never, ever, ever want to contribute to that. So that's mm. it's just like I reconcile that day in, day out, mm. making sure that mm. whilst it's exhausting as well, it's that's how I can and will contribute mm. based on being given literally an unwanted privilege <laughs> well yeah and you know this is not the you know the we hate cis men show no, absolutely on, on the not flip side though yeah well no no it is not on the flip side though we also are privy to the toxicity that comes from the other end of that spectrum too yeah absolutely and i guess so and you know the levels of manipulation, the levels of emotional labor and other bits and pieces like we, and that's what I meant about one foot in, one foot out. We can step back and be like, you can all try it, but we've all seen it on both sides. That's it. And it's just, and also, you know, there's no tarring of everyone with one brush. This is not a particular gender bashing cis or trans bashing in any way shape or form we know there are exceptions to every rule and we know that like it's easy to overgeneralize and which can be you know dangerous and offensive but in in the context of our experiences Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's how Mm -hmm. it goes absolutely and this is where i think the key takeaways from this is everybody needs to go therapy work on your shit and pull it together amen (laughs) you know first date vibes it's not you know what are you doing with your life it's how often do you see your therapist where is your receipt are you working on your childhood trauma? <laughs> Absolutely. 
Also, what's your star sign? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 I need the moon and I need the rising. I need to put the chart together because really, if co-star doesn't say we're compatible, we're not going <laughs> Or it's a we could be a relationship or no, we're just going to hang out for the night based on to see what it kind of says. <laughs> and, you know, I think I think it's important it makes absolute perfect sense that this is the point where we start this podcast because it is a, it's a fundamental part of our respective journeys and it's built kind of where we're at um, to date and where we've kind of come from. And I think it's important. And I think it's quite good that even though our journeys are different, there is some similarities, but also that contrasting opposites, which yeah. means we're going to view things a little bit differently naturally. and naturally. And also, while it, it also just links into the fact that us and our polar opposites, of course, our gender identity is going to be different. We're physically different. We like different things. There isn't, at the end of the day, it's the fact that there's similarities outside of drag race, which we'll get to. <laughs> we'll put that on another another episode again. Um, there isn't a lot of similarities. But really I, kind of, I kind of like that because it keeps but, each other in check. Yeah, and it's just the classic opposites attract effect, I think. Because mm, mm. like the, these conversations moving forward will move outside of um, just gender identity. Like for me, as, as you know, fitness and movement is a, is a vehicle and a passion to help build trans resilience within the community and all within media and bits and pieces. All we see is us and our struggles all the shit we deal with where it's like, no, I want to, I want to break that message and I want to change it. And I want to see, I want to showcase us winning. I want to show different perspectives. I want to show that resilience. And yeah, for me, that vehicle is a barbell, nothing to do with body politics and what have you, but more that it comes the, the confidence and the strength of self and identity that comes from the forged iron. That's what it is for me. And there's going to be some episodes where we talk more into the health stuff and more into the fitness. And I guess, the journey of the trans or gender diverse perspective navigating all of that and i've been in this industry for almost 10 years and i can speak to how fucking toxic it is but also how much it's kind of getting better and i guess with that lens that's kind of it for me where do you kind of want to go and what do you want to talk about and things where you can see it kind of coming in well i think it's a really good concept because it's in you know simplistic terms i think it's you're looking for the trans happy ending and um, we can take that so many different ways, but I'm going to leave that today. <laughs> I think all too often, um, you know, with, with any, um, I don't know, oppressed community or minority, really the, the, the pain or the, the suffering of any of those communities is often commoditized for the benefit of others, I think. Mm. Um, you know, like even just using like film um, as an example. Mm. When, when was the last time you saw a movie with a queer or trans person in it that got the happy ending. And that's what I'm talking totally. about. Instead of their partner cheating on them with a cis person yeah. or, or the know, opposite sex or opposite exactly. gender. Or, or, you know, we're, you what, know, we're what dead sex worker on the corner number three. Exactly. Shit like that. It's, yeah, it's bullshit. And it's exhausting. And it's literally our pain and suffering being commoditized. Mm. And like... It doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. And on that same note, though, like we can sit here and talk to for the cows come home, but we also want to hear from you because it's not just us. Like we're going to set up an email address soon, which will attach to the post notes and stuff. And if there's any topics of point you want us to talk through or get our perspective on, send us an email. 
and you know we'll have a bit of a read talk through because it's it's important to also use this platform to showcase voices that aren't ours yeah at the same note absolutely absolutely yeah They're, yeah and and um i think it's going to be very entertaining for us to argue on on a podcast so oh that's you know, lit. that is exactly what everyone a, is going to get give us into. a spicy question and yeah, we'll show go. you just how much we butt heads <laughs> <laughs> literally the because funnily enough we live together as well um we train together do all of the bits and pieces and but it's going to you watch the next episode it's just going to cut to and mason our producer is going to be just you know, cutting in the scuffles and the smacks and the fuck you and move, move and bang as we roll down the stairs in between butting through a few things. Um, on that note, though, I did forget at the very beginning, uh, it's important to uh, showcase our sponsors as well. And this week's episode uh, is sponsored by T-Generation Gyms because we're here pretty much in the space now because it's nice and quiet off the, the back of Mary Creek. Uh, but we will put details in the show notes. But I guess... If there is, and this, we'll leave this question to kind of end off, and this is what I'm going to ask of you, Smirk, which is my nickname for little daddy, <laughs> is if there's one thing that you wanted to tell your younger self now, let's just, we'll, you know, 10 years, we'll give 10 years. If there's one thing that you wanted to yourself to know, what would that be? I don't know if I've ever formulated a good answer to that question. Um, <clears throat> I think it's just, it's, it's one of those things, um, where <sighs> when we're little kids, we're like, you know, I know that you have this, this concept that you, your motto is be the person that you needed when you were growing up. Yeah, and cool. I think, Take, steal my thunder. Well, Thanks, naturally, yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> did uh -huh, you did uh -huh. you want to say it yourself? <laughs> I was going to, but never mind. Now I have to think of something else. Continue. But oh, I think <laughs> there's our friendship right there. Yeah, go on. You're just uh, snappy slogans, and I'm 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 trying to um, you know interrogate this concept on an emotional it's me 13 level. Thirteen years to get to the snappy <laughs> slogans, asshole. Yeah, right. Continue. Yeah, you're still articulating, and I guess it's wherever it is for you now. And it doesn't have to be the big thing, even if it's just a little point. No, I just think it's, it's, um, I was like so, um, solitary when I was younger and I'm a compartmentalizer by nature. Long. And I just think it's, for me, I would want to remind myself that like everything is going to be okay and that you will get to where you need to be eventually. Like, and you can rely on other people's support without, you know, boxing yourself in and shutting yourself down and refusing to acknowledge emotions because it's really just going to create destruction in relationships around you. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, uh, go to therapy is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Learned a thing or two over the last couple just, of years. You know, the strategy here or there. Yeah, I don't know. I think. It's it's hard to summarize like one thing that you would want to tell, you know, your your child self. But I don't think I sit back and hope to change my journey per se because it makes me who I am today. I've built a lot of resilience and emotional awareness along the way through my own self-inflicted faults through others' 
faults as well and I'm grateful for who I am now. I'm a hell of a lot better than I was a decade ago, so you do all right. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess mine is get a new best friend that doesn't steal your fucking thunder half the time. Eh, well. Yeah. Well, and your damn tagline, but no, that's it's with that <laughs> <laughs> Now I've got to think of something else. God damn it. So's mate. Yeah, well yeah. Well, don't be so predictable. Well, consistent. I like the word consistent. You know what you're going to get. Potato, potato. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, I guess, and it wasn't actually going to be be the person you needed when you grew up. It is, things are always darkest before they're light again. And you know where I was 10 years ago and a few bits and, and like where that, I kind of wasn't in that point. It's, the, the message, I guess, for me is all things come to pass. Just because it's bad now doesn't mean it's going to stay there. But if you don't keep putting that one foot in front of the other, you will stay there. And sometimes, you know, you might have to just hold for a minute, but don't step backwards. Like, the good stuff will come. You've just got to keep kind of pushing through. Um, which, you know, on a bit of a somber note to kind of let because my thunder's gone and there's not much else we can do just pulling that I out. I mean, you here. you pulled some extra slogans out of your ass just there. Yeah, probably. Did I? Well, then again, it's just, it's just that in the back of my hat now that I don't really think of it as, as any of that kind of stuff anymore. That's just the, the way that I speak. And it's good to have people to ground you to call you on your crap. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll see you for training on Monday. I'm going to break you, asshole. No. Um, <laughs> but... If you do li like listening to the shit that we are talking, hit subscribe, share it with your friends, leave some comments, um, ask questions. Uh, by the time our next episode, which we'll probably start doing maybe once a month at the moment, um, set up that email address, flick us through some questions. Otherwise, we hope you got something out of us or at least didn't completely waste the last almost hour or so because how long have we been going on now talking shit? Almost an hour. Yeah, fuck, we can talk some shit. Um, otherwise, I don't really know how else do we set it off. Let's just set it off. Anything else you want to lead with, end with? Well, you're going to have to avoid putting me in the bin if you want a second episode. So. Look, I won't put you in the bin, but we'll just sign it off there. Fuck off. Enjoy your day. We'll talk again soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.